How do you know if your loved ones are in the Illuminati? Are you safe from ghosts underwater? Answers to these questions and more on this episode of This, this Paranormal, Paranormal Life! Woo! Hey! Welcome back to a very special episode. It is episode 200! <laughs> It is our final episode. It's been a great run, my <laughs> friends. Uh, we've been here four years. I can't believe it. Um, but it is time to end. It is, sadly. It's been a fun journey while it lasts. Um, we didn't think we'd make it to episode two, let alone 200. So it's, it's, it's a monumentous occasion. It really is. Sadly, there are only 200 cases in the world. So we finished. And we're done. We're, we're wrapping up yeah. tonight with our and last Paranormal Can you believe stays. two of them were Jeff the Mongoose? <laughs> <laughs> I'm f***ing around. It's not the final episode, but it is episode 200. No. And you know, Rory, that we had to uh, come at the listeners with a huge investigation for episode 200. Oh, yeah. You know, we've been giving you starters for a while now. We've been giving you little little bowls of soup, little slices of bread, little <laughs> yeah. shrimp. Or, hors d'oeuvres, olives. Yeah, little tiny things like that. It's time for us to deliver the main course. Yeah. You better not tell me that you're f- full from the starters all right because you promised me you would save room for this there's no backing down from this investigation folks we've got to face it head on i'm just gonna dive right in uh thank you so much to everyone who suggested this probably too many to mention but off uh the top of our email ali shand coriel pondy alice cott john smith and uh, probably many others rory our story today starts with a man called albert bender He was a factory worker in Bridgeport, Connecticut. It's 1953, and the town's manufacturing industry is booming. Okay. I just want to say, for everyone listening at home, I've had a couple beers before the show today. I don't usually do that, so I just want to make sure I'm getting all the information correct right at the start. 1953? Yep. Bender, working in a factory. Yep. Awesome. Kind of messed up that you, you actually told me... I said, do you, it's the big day. Do you want to celebrate with a couple of drinks? You said, no can do, my friend, doing dry February. So it's pretty f***ed up that yeah. you would actually turn up buzzed, apparently. Well, I was a little nervous. I thought I could do this thing sober, and I was wrong. I was wrong. I needed a little I need, needed a little boozy you, you jacket. You stink a shit of whiskey, so I don't think it was just a couple beers either. Well, sure, I had a little pre-party. I pre-gamed with some okay. of my friends. Because you were nervous? Because I was you nervous. You had a party yeah. because you were nervous? It was Super Bowl weekend. I wanted to actually have a couple of drinks. That was what two days ago yeah and it's been a long party my friend hence the shades bender age 32 lived in his parents attic and worked as a timekeeper at the acme shear company what's a timekeeper <laughs> actually like a know. wizard <laughs> right if he dies time is time stands broken. still yeah, bernard's yeah. watch style uh is that an old-timey job i, I don't think, know about uh, you know i don't know what it is but when I picture it in my head, I imagine someone who maybe, um, you know, clocks the employees coming in and out and maybe manages uh, people's schedules. I don't know, though. And at 530, you know, like pulls the steam whistle. It's like, whoop, whoop. And it's like, all right, folks, clear out for the day. It's a different time. The products his company made were all stamped with a set of initials that all of America recognized. And they showed this product had been made in Bridgeport. M.I.B. But to Albert's co-workers, all wasn't what it seemed. Albert Bender wasn't just a simple factory worker. When it clocked 5pm and he got into his car to return home, the real work began. 
At his front door, he unlocked the latch. Then the padlocks. Then the bolt lock. Then the numerical keypad. Then the eye scanner. And the retinal detector before entering his hallway. A retinal detector in 1953? That's cutting-edge technology. Very guy, yeah. yeah. Well, he's a time lord, so he's, <laughs> he's been everywhere. You see, Albert's home was also the headquarters of the International Flying Saucer Bureau, or IFSB, an organization that he started. Okay. It was also, of course, his parents' house. Did you put new locks in that door again? Albert Bender, we've been through this. There hasn't been a burglary in this street in 15 years. Will you cut it out? I'm not worried about the TV, Dad. I'm worried about the fate of the galaxy. I don't give a rat's ass about the galaxy. You will respect that TV and cut it out with that Star Trek crap. If you will excuse me, I have thousands of credible UFO reports to review before dinner. The International Flying Saucer Bureau group had 600 members around the world, and their aim was to further mankind's knowledge of UFOs. Although that term wouldn't actually be coined until later the same year, by no less than the US Air Force. President Bender published a quarterly newsletter called Space Reviews. It's impressive that they have 600 members in 1953. Yeah. I mean, that's even before popular use of the internet. So how word of mouth got around is, how, like, how did he spread? That's amazing. It is, isn't it? I guess it's a weird little crossover. You know, there's less ability to get the word out there, but more people are sitting on their asses with nothing to do. Right, right. Uh, so I guess, but yeah, maybe he just got out through the local newspapers or something like that. Fair play. That's a big organization. Pretty damn cool, though. I think the U.S. government at that point was like six people. So <laughs> this is pretty impressive. They're, they're in the hundreds. It was basically the president and his three sons. <laughs> they were also all members of this uh, UFO society. <laughs> Much to the president's chagrin. By the way, I absolutely love the title Space Review for your newsletter. You know, lots of magazines are out there trying to cover... Uh, maybe only what happened in the world of fashion or fly fishing that month. But Albert's like, nah, I'm going to cover everything that's not on Earth. Where do I begin? Here's a list of five trillion stars that supernova this week. <laughs> it's also expanding. <laughs> Every week we don't narrow things down. They get bigger. Every week <laughs> There's the magazine to... <laughs> gets bigger. That's pretty f***ed up, don't you think? <laughs> It started as a postcard and it ended up as the Encyclopedia of Britannica. But by now, the Space Review and the Bureau had reached such an audience that he knew it was time to try something big. He called on all his followers to join him in sending a telepathic message out to alien life forms on March 15th, 1953 at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, which he called Contact Day. Whoa! Countless other members around the world marked it in their calendars as they lay in their parents' basements and eagerly awaited the big day. And when it did, literally dozens of believers <laughs> chanted as one. Calling occupants of interplanetary craft. Calling occupants of interplanetary craft that have been observing our planet Earth. 
We of the IFSB wish to make contact with you. We are your friends. Calling occupants of interplanetary craft. Calling occupants of interplanetary craft that have been observing our planet Earth. We of the IFSB wish to make contact with you. We are your friends. We are your friends. We are your friends. This is what I love, you know? Whenever we think about making contact with extraterrestrials or intelligent species out in faraway galaxies, NASA, the eggheads at NASA are like, oh, we need a big telescope. Mm -hmm. We need a way to send a signal to the distant corners of the universe. You ever tried to just believe? You ever tried to just believe a little harder? This is me in my first day at the internship at NASA. (laughs) Do you sons of bitches ever just think with your heart instead of your brain? They're like, didn't you learn anything at your checks notes master's degree of astrophysics from Oxford University? I didn't study one goddamn day. I sat down, slipped the reviewer a 20, and I believed. Oh, you need to get on. <laughs> I slipped him a hundred bucks and I said, Mr. Examiner of the Space Examined Board, Mr. Examiner of the Space Examined Board, I'm here to He's like, I'm two feet away from you. You don't need to yell at me. Also, you're still speaking. This isn't telepathic. So you can hear me. You're absolutely right. So often we're trying to reach outer space by going out. But what about going in? That's right. Maybe maybe the secrets of the universe are closer. They're, it's like your friends, right? Wait, no, your enemies. <laughs> They're inside you. Isn't that the old saying? Something like that. You know, these these male scientists with their dick-shaped telescopes and their <laughs> dick-shaped rockets trying to just fling dicks out into space. All right, you're getting a little off topic here. I didn't, that wasn't quite the point I was trying to make, but... How are you supposed to reach aliens using a giant dick? Right, I think we were... What if they don't like them? We were almost at all the same page at one point, but now I feel like this is a you different argument. You need to start thinking there. of other type of shapes. <laughs> Lady I'm, a, I'm parts, talking to security. If I'm, you not, will. I'm not with him. I'm not with him. This, I'm here for a separate thing. <laughs> He's got his own agenda. <laughs> but instead of the cosmic orgasm of interplanetary communication Albert was expecting, right after contact day, he felt awful. In fact, he felt ill. Bizarrely, he started receiving strange phone calls from numbers he didn't recognize. Whoa. And his head thumped from headaches and with what felt like telepathic messages invading his thoughts. Messages that he should stop trying to contact UFOs. Were the aliens talking back after all? Sadly, Albert's bedroom wasn't a very relaxing place to try and regain your health. He called the attic his, quote, chamber of horrors. Oh boy. Because it was decorated with shrunken heads and skulls. And after contact day, it became even more horrifying as it filled with a yellow mist and began to smell of burning sulfur. What? Either Albert was losing his mind or he was going to hell. By July, he was preparing the next edition of Space Review when he heard his mother calling from the floor below. Albert, darling, there are some men here to see you. Shall I send them up? And just so you know, there's no pressure to keep on living here. Your stepfather and I will be just fine on our own. My God, shut up, Mom! You're ruining my life! Oh, don't be silly, Albert. You're ruining your own life. Have fun with your friends, sweetie. Let me know if I can bring you some juice. God, mom, just leave me alone. Yes, obviously bring the juice. Bender heard a flurry of footsteps climbing the stairs. Three men appeared in his doorway, identically dressed in black suits and black trilby hats. 
They were tall and intimidating, and when they entered the room, the sulfur smell intensified. Their faces were cold and expressionless, and Bender was struck by fear when he looked in their eyes. Whoa, what do you fellas want? Bender would later describe his visitors. They floated about a f- <laughs> they floated about a foot off the floor. Their faces were not clearly discernible, for the hats partly hid and shaded them. The eyes of all three figures suddenly lit up like flashlight bulbs. They seemed to burn into my very soul as the pains above my eyes became almost unbearable. The men didn't speak, but were somehow able to communicate with Bender telepathically. Stop publishing, stop publishing, stop publishing, stop publishing. Bender was absolutely terrified. He could only watch in horror. Why did she let them in? Why did she let them in? He said they're floating. They were, they were probably punching their fists at the door. We're looking for you, son, ma'am. This is nuts. He could only watch in horror as the man started turning over the apartment and collected his research and all of his copies of Space Review, even those containing the details of the results of Contact Day, which Bender had promised his followers was pretty juicy. Once they had all Bender's UFO materials, they headed for the door. They left a thick cloud of yellow fog as they marched back downstairs and out through the front door. These could have just been regular men. (laughs) There was nothing that these men did that needed to be done by... Other than the floating. (laughs) I don't know why... They're not regular men. No, I'm saying, why wasn't this task executed by three normal men? Oh, rather than the supernatural entities. (laughs) Gas people. (laughs) All they kind of did was just like come in and, and wreck, you know, typical kind of uh, intimidation, wreck up the laboratory and leave sort of thing. He didn't have to say that telepathically. <laughs> he could have done it telepathically with, from outside the house. With flashlight eyes that burn into your soul. <laughs> Bender was scared to death and could barely eat for days after the experience. He had lost everything that he was going to share with his readers, so he sat at his typewriter and started writing his final newsletter. Dearest readers, the mystery of flying saucers is no longer a mystery. The source is already known, but any information about this is being withheld by order from a higher source. We would like to print the full story in Space Review, but because of the nature of the information, we are very sorry that we have been advised in the negative. He ended it with we advise those engaged in saucer work to please be very cautious bender immediately stopped circulating space review and even dissolved the entire international flying saucer bureau too scared to face another visit from the men in black that was a very um a very measured and mild-mannered response because you know that could have gone either way it could have been that you know hey this is the last issue of Space Review. We're all in danger. I can't do this any longer. Or the flip side could have been, y'all f***ers won't believe what just happened to yeah. me. I saw gas people enter my home. Not the man in black coming to my door. <laughs> Not the guys floating one foot off the ground. <laughs> yeah, it could have, he could have tried to blow the lid on this even further. That's why I thought it was kind of um, kind of crazy that they went... They went DEFCON 1 with the response to this. Instead of doing the subtle, you know, guys maybe show up and say, hey, maybe you don't uh, maybe you do not do space review anymore. You know, they got a little baseball bat or something. Like, maybe you keep a little, 
You little f- I'll shut about those aliens, huh? Mm. Little son of a bitch. But instead, they came in beaming sentences into his head, yes. smashing laptops, floating in gas. They really, it was a real, real dramatic response to this. It's a great point. There's many layers to this. You know, I want to say on the one hand, maybe they've done this many times before. They know how human beings react. They know what shock does to a person. I mean, I have it on good authority from Albert's family from the 60s and so on that he wasn't the same after this. He was a reserved, worried, paranoid guy because he was always worried that they were going to come back. You know, another side might be maybe you do float one foot off the ground because no one will ever believe you. Got it. Yeah. This is kind of like being scared straight. Yeah. You know, when you get a prisoner to go to a high school and talk to a bunch of kids <laughs> and just being like, y'all little, little pussy ass f***ers want to end up like me. Excuse me. We agreed. No swearing. <laughs> Shut the f*** up, little prison bitch. Actually, where did we get this guy? Do we? Was he vetted before he got here? <laughs> Clear, you little mother... He's got, <laughs> actual, he's got a knife! <laughs> the actual ex-con is on his way walking to the school at this very moment. <laughs> we found this guy at a bus stop at 3 a.m. <laughs> he said he was on his way to prison. Um, <laughs> we assumed it was to serve time, not to hand himself in. <laughs> Are you here to give the talk today? Oh, I'll talk. You want me to talk? I'll talk. I did it. I did it all. <laughs> uh, it's it's the same idea. They've got some MIBs. They're rolling them out to scare him straight. Yeah. Don't mess with UFOs unless you're ready to get burned, gassed. But it is, you know, you make a great point. This is zero to a hundred stuff. I really would have expected a telephone call. Yeah. <laughs> Just a simple stop publishing would have yeah done. yeah that's spooky enough we get that all the time you know called up stop podcasting sure that's what we get we get that you know daily sure not even from the government just sometimes from um Anyone. spotify yeah SoundCloud. apple Podcasts. sometimes my parents yeah just said you're saying a lot of incriminating shit you're embarrassing the family stop yeah. podcasting and i'm yeah, like yeah. mom and then she just hangs up yeah it says fast. no caller id but i can recognize the the voice sometimes it's it's a facetime so i can see her yeah i don't think she knows she how to work the phone off the yeah, video exactly yeah. just pointing up at her yeah it's kind of embarrassing what happened to albert bender is a mystery in itself but a clue to what happened would appear a few years later In 1967, a UFO researcher named Jack Robinson and his wife were finding strange and incredible paranormal evidence and experiences of UFOs in their research. But unfortunately for them, weird things started happening in their own lives too. They would come home from a UFO research trip to find their house had been ransacked and their files disturbed. Not only that, they noticed that a strange man in a black suit started hanging out near their apartment building, just standing outside. They told a friend about it, Timothy Green Beckley, and he wanted to see for himself, so he drove around and captured this photograph. Hmm. I'm going to have to take my shades off. That's how serious <laughs> this is getting. So dark that mib suit is <laughs> wow so this is an actual photograph taken at the time 1967 folks i mean we're looking at an old black and white picture of uh, the side of a street here and in one of the doorways leaning against the side is a man in a very dark suit with what appears to be a hat trying to kind of it does look like conceal himself in the doorway yeah. uh, of this building. Interesting in a no- number of cases, I suppose. Definitely could just be 
a passerby. But at the same time, this does accurately match our description of the men in black from 1953, the black suit and the black trilby hat. Yeah. Definitely suspicious that he's in the periphery of a UFO researcher's apartment. It's always going to be a little bit difficult talking about MIBs uh, when you're talking about the era when it was very popular for men to wear <laughs> black suits and black hats. You yeah. know, maybe when we get into cases in modern day, that's maybe not as common a thing for just everyday men to walk around in groups with sunglasses on and earpieces. But uh, definitely, you know, it's, it's a little less exceptional uh, in these cases. It's a great point, though, because it raises the question. The MIBs are so iconic these days. They've been immortalized in film and everything, and they would stand out in today's society. But maybe that's the point. Back then, they were supposed to look like your average Joe. Yeah, so it wasn't a weird thing at all. It was just a businessman. But I suppose still different enough that these researchers thought it was weird and that this photographer, Timothy, thought it was weird. Yeah. So we're getting a picture here, Rory. We've talked about them many times over the years, but never in detail. Who or what are these men in black? In short, we're talking about beings that dress in black and drive black cars. Their mission in life is to silence anyone that knows too much, specifically about UFOs and aliens. They have popped up in a lot of cases that we've done so far on this podcast. And despite that, I'm proud to say I know very little about these, <laughs> these people. I refuse to learn about them. <laughs> I mean, uh, aside from the fact that, yeah, as we said, they are agents working for some, side of, some sort of organization that are there to silence the truth. I mean, uh, I didn't even know concretely whether they were known to be otherworldly, you know? Sometimes they just seem like they could be the government. Yeah. I didn't know about floating and gas and flashlight eyes. Welcome to the murky world of MIBs, Rory. And the thing is, it doesn't matter what you saw. It could be as little as you saw some lights in the sky, or you could be Travis Walton and you're telling the world about your abduction story. If you're talking too much, they're coming. They'll intimidate you, threaten you, and like Albert Bender in our first story, potentially redact your entire life. They might even call ahead and pretend to be a journalist or law enforcement or members of the same clubs as the witnesses that they're targeting. And it's over these crucial years of the 50s and 60s that evidence for Men in Black begins to mount. Wow. Again, in 1967, Ohio native Robert Richardson was out driving at night. He came around a blind corner and was horrified when he saw something in the middle of the road, except there were no headlights. Was someone on the wrong side of the road with no lights or broken down there? Either way, he couldn't stop before he hit it violently. Except the moment he hit it, it disappeared. Whoa! Not in like a burst of blood. It just it just <laughs> disappeared like yeah. He didn't vanished. he didn't vaporize a deer. <laughs> right. It seemed like a car, and it disappeared. Oh, okay, okay. The police came and they inspected the scene, but all they could find were Robert's skid marks. So they decided he must have fallen asleep or hallucinated it or something. And so Robert got home feeling confused and frustrated. He couldn't understand what had happened. He returned to the scene as soon as he could, a few days later, and had a look around. Big mistake, buddy. He thought there must be some clue as to what happened that night. 
it was then he found it. A strange chunk of metal just lying there in the grass that Robert knew must have come from whatever he hit that night. He took it home to examine it and then, I guess, send it somewhere for analysis. But just three days later, he heard a knock at the door. It was 11pm and two men dressed in black stood outside. They began to question Robert as soon as he opened the door. Something about them felt different, but he couldn't put his finger on it. The men didn't identify themselves, and Robert felt compelled not to ask who they were. They asked him about his accident and exactly what he'd seen. After 10 minutes, the men in black left in their black 1953 Cadillac. He even noted down their license plate, but later found the plates weren't in circulation. But two weeks later, two more different MIBs showed up. Good evening, Robert. Oh God, not again. Look, you're going to have to tell me who you are if you want me to talk. Are you with the police? Wait, are you friends of Jimmy's? You tell that son of a bitch I won that waffle iron fair and square. He ain't getting it back. What? No. Did you bet a waffle iron? That's that's so weird. That's besides the point. We have to ask you a few questions. Oh, yeah? What do you want to know? Actually, it's not a question. I'm just telling you something. You didn't hit anything with your car that night. What? You heard me. You didn't hit anything that night. Got it? Now hand over the metal object. <gasps> How do you know about that? I mean, <laughs> what metal? The men were furious when they heard he'd already handed it over to the authorities and threatened him. If you want your wife to stay as pretty as she is, then you'd better get the metal back. They never darkened his door again, even though he couldn't get the sample back from the police. God knows what the MIBs did to get it back. Probably murdered the entire police force. As you can see, people are frightened of MIBs for a reason. They're like 007, licensed to kill. They use hyper-aggressive tactics to get the job done. But for all of the stories that are out there, we still don't know exactly what they are. Obviously, they look human, but the theories about their real identity span from androids from the future all the way to literally the devil in a disguise. Wow. But by far the most popular theory is that they are in fact aliens themselves. Okay, okay, I can get on board with this. Who better to keep the UFO secret than the people driving the UFOs? Yeah, it makes more sense than the devil. Why <laughs> <laughs> would he have a horse in the race? I think he's big into secrets. <laughs> secrets and lies are kind of like his... His whole thing. But I feel like, you know, if he's, I don't know, if you're in the business of fighting with God, yeah. you don't really concern yourself with the, the the petty politics of humans and aliens. Yeah, you just be like, yeah, go ahead, take the, the metal. I, I literally do not care. Yeah, do I, you know how hot it is down here? I've been alive for five trillion years. <laughs> Think I care about fucking Earth politics? Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here? Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot, and whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. So many researchers believe that they might be aliens because almost all reports of MIB encounters include details of highly unusual behavior and appearance. Most witnesses describe MIBs as completely hairless. One described an MIB picking up a ballpoint pen and gazing at it in wonder as if he was seeing something extraordinary. <laughs> He seems space metal. <laughs> why does he? Why does a pen? He's wearing oh, a suit. <laughs> why is a pen? Why does that tip the scales? Huh? That's so strange. I love it. Another claims an MIB. <laughs> Another claims an MIB tried to drink Jello uh, that he had offered the agent to eat. Right, so that so the, he tried to snort a pop tart. What don't you understand? <laughs> so these these uh, if they are extraterrestrial creatures, they they have been suited up. They can look like humans, yes, but they are still so primitive to the human world that even though they're there to be, and they can pretty successfully pass off as at least looking like humans, mm-hmm. uh, there's nothing human really about them. Exactly. It might they it might as well be a meat puppet, and on the inside is just like constellations and galaxies like pulling the limbs behind it i mean i feel the will smith men in black movies which we have to talk about at some point of course yeah uh i feel like they did a good job at nailing this you would have weird looking humans and then will smith would come along and go i know who you are 97xz50 escaped convict from the planet Zeta Reticuli, and then they would immediately just shapeshift into an alien. Right. The alien's disguise was very, very surface level. They could barely speak English. They could barely get by. But in the Men in Black movie, the MIBs were all humans, right? On on like an American task force to hunt aliens wasn't that it i actually don't know that they were all human oh maybe some aliens didn't but i feel like by men in black two or three they were on some kind of men in black space station where (laughs) really men in black from all over the galaxy were working together i might be making that up (laughs) 
But I remember there was a lot of aliens walking around the headquarters. You're thinking of the pitch that you did for, uh, to Netflix for I Men in Black Steven 4. Steven Spielberg. It was pretty f***ed up, actually. I wrote a letter to Spielberg pretending to be his son just to get in the door. And then once he opened the letter, it was like, surprise, f***er. It's the screenplay to Men in Black 6. Who are you? Like, what did you mean when you wrote the letter? Interior. Space station. <laughs> Day or night. Can you imagine how fast you would trash a letter if it began, instead of like, dear Rory, it started with interior space station. How many letters do you think Tarantino gets? That it's like, dear, dear Quentin Tarantino, interior. It's like, oh, for Jesus, no. Get rid of this. And some more say that the MIBs that they met were wearing makeup to cover their pale alien skin. Hmm. Few accounts say that the agents referred to each other by numbers rather than names. And others mention telepathic communication like Albert Bender experienced. Some people even claim that Men in Black performed magic in front of their very eyes. <laughs> right. Including teleportation, making objects disappear, and... Bending the rules of physics to their whim. What does that mean, bending the rules of physics? Floating a foot off the ground, uh, maybe? Yeah, that'll do it. This is what I don't understand, is how they they, they go to such lengths <laughs> and put in such effort to look and, and yeah. appear like humans. And then they're just fucking making pens disappear and floating and calling each other 7 and 12. <laughs> it's so weird. Yeah. I think we've talked about this before, you know, about aliens blending in. If I visit Barcelona, mm-hmm. I want to blend in because I don't want to get mugged by cri- <laughs> criminals who are trying to uh, find tourists. Yeah, and you were mugged in Barcelona. And I was, and I <laughs> so... failed. This is, this is all to prove the point of the story. And yet, I can't blend in. No matter how hard I try, no matter how close their culture is to my culture this is you floating down <laughs> last ramblas <laughs> expelling gas i am one, I of, am you. one of you Cerveza, <laughs> please if you will sir everyone's taking Absolutely your wallet your phone a booming voice echoing for miles no matter how hard i try to blend in no matter how hard i study my surroundings and try not to look like a tourist i will always carry an essence of tourist that is distinguishable to the common petty thief. In the same way, it's going to be pretty f-ing hard for an alien from another galaxy to come over. And he's going to go, great, I can nail the hair, the clothes, the look, the language. But he can't nail walking. <laughs> yeah. Or what a ballpoint pen looks like. Or how to drink a cup of jello. I guess that's it. You know, they might seem like easy things for us. But maybe when you're already trying to master 200 things, you forgot to give yourself a human name. So people call you three now. Yeah. Maybe there's just bits that you forgot. Yeah, maybe right at the end, they're like, hey, don't tell anyone what you saw that night. Uh, we're going to go check this out. And you do a bit of magic. And you're like, isn't that cool? And you're like, oh, shit, wait, you guys, you can do magic here, right? <laughs> oh, shit. This isn't a magic planet, is it? <laughs> 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 yeah. I mean, at least they came up with a human number. <laughs> they could have true. said an alien number. As soon as they start calling each other Zonktar, you need to get out of there. <laughs> All right. I do appreciate that the stories I've told you today about MIBs so far are pretty old. Uh, and you're probably 
in a false sense of security right now, at home, listening to this, thinking that you're safe. Well, here's a disturbingly recent case from an even more believable source. In 2001, Dan Aykroyd was working on a documentary. Here we go. It was a series for the Sci-Fi Network about UFOs featuring a number of high-profile researchers. After a day of filming, he stepped outside the studios to have a cigarette and to take a call from Britney Spears. Uh, she had an episode of SNL coming up and she wanted him to collaborate on it. He noticed a black Ford across the street and a tall man in a black suit stepped out of it. He stared Aykroyd down, who nervously glanced away. He looked back after only a second or two and the man and the car had disappeared without a trace. He went back into the studio and was immediately told his show had been cancelled and filming would finish that instant. The what? Ep- the episodes they made would never see the light of day and he was never told why. Are you kidding me? To this day, he believes the MIB shut it down. And that's Dan Aykroyd. That's someone who doesn't just get things shut down. No. That's insane. This is Dan Aykroyd of Ghostbusters fame. He gets to do whatever he wants. You know, it's one thing when it's someone in their parents' attic slash basement <laughs> sending out gets newsletters. Gets a newsletter cancelled. Yeah, exactly. But Dan Aykroyd getting his entire season cancelled. And from what I know, my very limited knowledge in uh, film and television is that something that has made it this far where they have started filming past the pilot episode, that thing's in production. They need it to go out even if it bombs, to just recuperate the losses. Exactly. That's crazy to think they would just shut that down. Very odd. Whenever he talks about this as well, he he maintains that 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 car and that guy disappeared faster than anyone could drive away, (laughs) which is kind of crazy because even he believes that they're not human human or real or something. But that's where it even gets weirder because then, like, is the car just fast? Or, or what happened? Why pretend to be in a car at all? <laughs> yeah, why did he need a car if yeah. it was just going to disappear? Oh, it's so strange. Maybe it's uh, symbolism that grounds uh, the experience for the yes. person who, who interacted with one of these MIBs. It didn't need to be a car. It didn't need to be a guy in a black suit. But these are the kind of this imagery that uh, humans can comprehend. Yes. It makes it easier for them to process what happened. I love that you brought this up. It's like in the movie Dogma. I haven't seen that. Is that like a talking dog? It's a nothing to do with dogs, actually. Oh, it's right. like the religious thing, Dogma, so no dogs. Uh, I thought that was like mother, like a mummy, mummy dog. Dogma. Dogma. Yeah, that, yeah that would be pretty that funny. That would be sweet, yeah. yeah. But no, no, it was a movie about uh, like religion and angels and devil and stuff oh, like that. Oh, so. jeez. Uh, I guess all dogs go to heaven, so that makes a little bit of sense. Because they're all good boys. Yeah, yeah. It means it's a fictional movie anyway, so it's not okay. too... Uh... Well, I didn't actually believe the dogs could talk, so of course it's fictional. I never said there was a talking dog. I said there weren't any dogs in the movie. You, you throw like you're getting hung up on the... Look, you... never mind. I'll pick a movie that you might relate better to. All right. Uh, it's like an Air Bud. You never know? seen it. Really? Never seen... What is that about? Okay. Demons uh... and angels? All right. F- hell. Uh, Marley and me, right? It's like in Marley and Me. I haven't it, seen that either. What is that? It's a religious. Really? But you thought Dogma was about dogs? It's dog and ma. Okay. Mama, as in ma. Yeah, I know what dog. ma. I know what ma stands for. <laughs> dog papa, dog mama. 
That's quite enough. What I'm hearing is no one has made Dog Mama, which is a movie that I should make. <laughs> a sequel to Dog Mama. <laughs> I think it's in Dogma that one of the angels comes down. He's got the wings. He's got the whole deal. And they're like, hey, why do you look like an angel? And he's like, well, your head would fucking explode if I showed you my true form. Right. Is that what the men in black are doing? Are they Bad some power kind of... for an angel to have, by the way. That's pretty <laughs> demonic. Well, it's not a power. It's just his true form is far too powerful for a mortal to gaze upon. Right. Like freaking Ryan Gosling's abs. <laughs> you can't look at those things in real life. Yeah, ever seen his abs? Don't think so. Nah, they have to cover them up. Yeah, you're seeing CGI on top of it. Your and face if... would melt. And if you did see his abs, that was a body double. It was. It was. What do you think, Roy? We're, we're pontificating about all these different things that a MIB could be. But if you had experienced them in the way that some of these people have, what would you be thinking? I mean, this is crazy. I, like, I, I really like the idea of a task force just set up to stop people from doing something. Mm-hmm. You know, it must be, there must be so few things in life that you can start doing or trying to make that require a team to come and shut shut it down right after drugs it's a short list <laughs> right yeah crystal meth <laughs> i think if you probably tried to brew your own coca-cola probably the coca-cola people would come in one day and smack with a bat you know and smash up all your stuff that's probably how it went yeah. down in the olden days you know if you were trying to like i might i might try to make my own coca-cola like oh cool do you mind if i see how you do yeah smash it up and they'll be like <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Cola sends his regards. Same thing with the yeah. 11 herbs and spices. If you even dare oh, yeah. try to season chicken with 11 different herbs, <laughs> the colonel's going to come knocking. <laughs> Three men in white suits and Kentucky bow ties if you arrive hear at your door. A knock at the door and you hear, well, hello there. <laughs> you better run. The you scent of run. fried chicken wafting into your attic. You better just run because the colonels are coming. The man in W. <laughs> <laughs> the colonel himself. The, the MIBs of the KFC. <laughs> yeah, it does seem funny. I mean, we're so used to the idea of, okay, you're not allowed to make drugs. I get that. But it is sort of a funny sort of thought crime. How many things are a crime just by Googling it? Yeah. I wonder, like, how far nowadays, how far you'd have to get into making your own mickey mouse cartoon before <laughs> disney you know kick down the door when you're not home and like rip up all of your your illustrations and stuff oh that feels so old school doesn't it yeah like rival gangs kind of going in and feels like prestige yeah where magicians are going into each other's warehouses and trashing it it's so weird you know it's this idea of forbidden knowledge yeah that just a knowledge of something is already a danger. It's too much. Yeah. There's something quite scary about thinking the task force that are restricting this information aren't even from a government. <laughs> They're not even from a country. The yeah. fact that if you had a complaint to make against them, there's nowhere to send there it. There is no complaint. You might as well put it in a rocket to the moon <laughs> because it's not. no one's going to answer it. They don't care. They answer to no one. It's yeah. quite scary to think that anyone in this world holds that kind of authority. What are what are your thoughts, Kit? I mean, you were the one that was looking into all these cases. I think what we're getting to the crux of here is, you know, what are they on this paranormal life is whether something's paranormal or not. The core of this case is, are these M-I-B-M 
are they men? Okay, I was really confused there. <laughs> are they actually human? So, about six or seven years ago, a movie called Mirage Men came out. I haven't watched it, but it is probably the closest we'll ever get to interviewing a real man in black. Wow. In this movie, they interview a former Air Force Special Investigations Officer, Richard Doty, about his involvement with the UFO community. Basically, Special Investigations Officer Doty... During his career, he would contact UFO researchers and say, Hey, how about you give us some of the research you've got, and we'll give you a little in return. So we know what you're working on, and as a little thank you, we'll let you know some inside shit. It's a fair deal at the surface. Then he would begin drip-feeding them tiny nuggets of the truth, mixed in with huge helpings of bullshit. Whoa. He was muddying the waters. Before long, he had these researchers building machines to intercept alien signals, writing out alien languages, uh, trying to communicate with them through space and time. Uh, He was slowly radicalizing them into believing nonsense. Right. As an Air Force employee. What a weird job. One researcher that he contacted was even driven mad and checked into a psychiatric hospital all because the government was f***ing with them. That's it, discrediting people. It is, of course, impossible to know whether Richard Doty in 2014 is telling the truth about Richard Doty in the 80s, but it turns out we've actually talked about him or talked around him before. Really? For better or worse, Rory, he was the anonymous source behind Project Serpo and the Galactic 12. No (laughs) way! He was the source of the supposed intelligence. Uh, it doesn't bode well <laughs> for the t- for the story of the Galactic Twelve and Project Serpo. No, it definitely doesn't. But I don't think we said it was a real case anyway. Uh, do we not? I don't know. Well, we we said the Galactic Twelve are a real organization. Well, of obviously. course, I mean, Richard wouldn't be so cruel as to no. make up a legend. He couldn't do it. By the way, no one could make he up a legend that strong. Invent a team as legendary as that. But yeah, bit worrying if his job was bullshit merchant of the Air Force. <laughs> and then we did a two-part series on one of his lies. Bullshit merchant. <laughs> I mean, if we ever needed uh, professional titles that weren't just paranormal, <laughs> paranormal podcaster, bullshit merchants are pretty good. It would fit the bill. We just need to dress like the f- Merchant from Resident Evil 4. <laughs> the big cloaks on. The top secret files in our cloaks. Good lord. Uh, wow. Yeah, that is... Um, It's always a little worrying when the guy who's making these pretty extreme claims... One of the claims he's making is that he made extreme lies that he gave to other people. It's too muddy. It's too... Uh, it's weird, isn't it's it? It's weird. The evidence for Men in Black being real is a supposed Man in Black saying he made everything up <laughs> over the years. Which is very that's just confusing. Terrible. That's, that's terrible. So it's weird. Maybe this is the sad reality of what a Man in Black is. An agent of disinformation. Yeah. But I'd like to round off, Rory, with at least a little bit more physical evidence for you. This is a video I'm about to show you 
of supposedly Men in Black caught on camera. Oh my God, whipping out the big guns at the end. Two unidentified Men in Black visited the same hotel looking for the two witnesses who saw this UFO. The two witnesses were not there at the time, so the Men in Black harassed the hotel staff for approximately 30 minutes before leaving. Those who spoke to the men said they were completely bald with no eyebrows or eyelashes. They apparently had relatively big strange eyes and did not blink once whilst talking. What do you think though, bud? <laughs> no eyebrows? No hair? Didn't blink once? I mean, have some eyebrows at the very least. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't study human uh, life at all. This is nuts. Um, I love that they... <laughs> when they didn't get what they wanted, harassed the staff for 30 <laughs> minutes as if that was gonna that was gonna fix the problem. I mean, it's pretty realistic human behavior. Yeah, yeah, Don't very know why human aliens behavior. would do that though. Yeah, I wonder how much of this is, you know, species from another planet or just very awkward antisocial government agents <laughs> being told to yell at people and interrogate people. Who knows? We may never know. And yet at the end of every episode of This Paranormal Life, even episode 200, we have to Ooh. decide whether the case we've just discussed is paranormal or not. What do you think, Rory? This is a tough one. This is a tough this one. This is head versus heart, I think. I know. I don't... And you know that I don't want to be the one to call <laughs> Dan Aykroyd a liar. Um, look, we've had these guys pop up in more stories than freaking Project Blue Book. We've talked about them pretty much since the beginning of the podcast. They've crept up in stories, sometimes at the end, sometimes at the beginning, but always at some point getting involved in these paranormal cases. Today, a lot of the cases, pretty much everyone that we talked about wasn't just MIBs. There was also a paranormal factor. Mm. The fact they were floating, that they didn't have any, I guess it's not paranormal to not have <laughs> any eye, eyelids or eyelashes, <laughs> eyebrows. Any hair. Any hair. Um, that's not paranormal. It's just maybe a little strange. Um, but still a lot of talk of them being extraterrestrials from another planet. I think briefly we mentioned robots, <laughs> yes. uh, but it's really difficult. I don't know. I feel like if I had to decide whether or not they existed over time, there probably has been a task force of government agents whose sole mission was to either interrogate or shut down the investigation of classified material. Do I think, based on today's evidence, that those people were from another planet? No, I do not. <laughs> you hesitated for a while there, <laughs> as if you were tossing it up. Well, I was worried that a red dot sight was going <laughs> to go on my forehead at any second now. <laughs> Why, hello there! I mean, we are one of the people that were mentioned in today's episodes, we are the people that are diving too deep. We have the space newsletter that goes out weekly <laughs> to thousands of listeners. It's true. We should be the people that are getting shut down. And yet, here we are. Damn, that's a fair indictment. I think what we're beating around the bush of here, Rory, that we believe in the men in black. We don't believe in the men in black from some sort of intergalactic alien agency. Exactly. I think so. Based on what we've seen today, I think that's a safe assumption to make. Everything that was done today, aside from teleporting away in an instant, could have been done by regular humans. That means today, I think it's fair to say, it's a double no. The men in black are not paranormal. 
True. But I, I would like to tack on as a caveat. The men in black are absolutely real. Of course. Be afraid. Be very afraid. They're probably watching you right now. Holy smokes, guys. Can't believe we finally made Woo! it to the MIBs. Episode 200 in the bag. I've been talking about uh, them for a long time. I haven't covered it because we've been too damn scared. And Lord knows, I'll probably never release this episode. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed it, though, if I did release it and I'm now presumably dead. Rory might have got off because it wasn't his episode to research. I'm going to be launching my spin-off pod, This Government Life. <laughs> where I'm going to tell you about all the swell things the government have been up to recently. <laughs> Which government? Doesn't matter. All of them. <laughs> Dear listeners, we have absolutely nothing to plug this week, and we have only you to thank for getting us all the way to episode 200. Wow. Good Lord, what a journey it's been. That's, you know, almost four years. That's crazy, isn't it? Where does the time go? I thought, like Rory said at the beginning, we'd get shut down week two. Yeah, we've been doing this for a long time. I think the other day we were trying to work out how many places we've recorded the podcast. Yes. Because we've both moved houses like two times, three times Yeah. since then. We've done it in studios. We've done it at my work. We've done it all over the place. <laughs> and the audience never noticed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's sad. We know you did. But you were kind enough not to roast us for it. We're like the Hulk. Our secret is the quality was always bad. <laughs> <laughs> you never noticed at all. <laughs> It's so true. Um, what a crazy journey. From, yeah. From being, you know, professional paranormal investigators with a, with some some stuff to learn to knowing it all in <laughs> episode 200. <laughs> I really think we know it all now. I don't think there's any secrets out there left undiscovered. I don't know what we're going to do for 201. Whenever, uh, whenever we started this, I think the number one thing people said to us was, aren't you going to run out? of stories yeah very soon oh yeah um that was a real fear even that i had i think it, when we were on when we were on like episode 50 yeah and like, i was calling tutankhamen a milf <laughs> i was like we're scraping the bottom of the sarcophagus here my friend we're we're running out real fast and little did we know that that digging would bottom out into a hollow earth full <laughs> of ghostly tales uh, i mean if i had told our four year ago selves that in four years you will cover Men in Black, wow. I'd be like, what the f*** are we talking about between now and then? I still remember when we did the episode on the um, the Black Eyed Kids. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was maybe the first time where I did a story that involved the Men in Black, mm -hmm. I think. And I was like, I remember researching that at night and, and thinking like, well, who, who are these guys? <laughs> or, like who is this and clicking the wikipedia article and being like whoa they have a huge backstory we should do an episode on these guys uh sometime and that must have been i think black eyed kids was like episode 12 or in the 20s or something it was really early on something like it wow um what a journey what a journey what a great show we have fun what a, how much fun this is to do. I love it. Hope you enjoyed it, folks. Thank you for sticking with us over the last four years. We know many of you have been with us since day one, which uh, warms our cold, dead hearts. We do have some really cool announcements coming up as well. Unfortunately, we can't unveil them just yet. 
um, as there have been some minor delays. But I promise you guys, there's some really cool stuff on the horizon that we're really excited about. Hopefully in the next week or two that we'll be able to announce. Keep your ears open. You don't think we drop it in the MIB episode? No, there's enough going on there for sure. They're they're listening. We don't need them to be listening. So thank you so much to Cami Toman for editing and Amy Grisdale for research on this week's episode. We will, of course, be back next week. But to celebrate episode 200, we wanted to round out and let our community have the final word. Please enjoy a few words from them. See you next week. And the winners of the best entertainment podcast is... This Paranormal Life! All right, you ready? Let's do this. Presented by Rory Powers and Kit Greer, This Paranormal Life, where two self-styled experts on the paranormal cast a sceptical, jokey eye over some of the outlandish claims and otherworldly accounts out there. Rory Powers and Kit Greer, an award-winning and frighteningly popular paranormal podcast, This Paranormal Life, and they have listeners from all over the world. We love This Paranormal Life! This Paranormal Life! This Paranormal Life! This Paranormal Life! It's my favorite podcast ever. Uh, I love you guys a lot. I listen to you guys every single day. I love everything that you guys are doing, and it's always one of the biggest highlights of my week. I listen to you guys on repeat almost 24-7. I listen to all the episodes multiple times over. I think the show is just so incredibly funny and charming. I just want to say huge thanks for your podcast. It really brought together me and my father during lockdown. Sadly, he passed away last week. However, it brings me a huge smile to my face when I listen to a new episode, knowing that you would have loved it also. I was ill for about nine months, and This Paranormal Life was the only thing that got me out of bed in the morning, because every day that I woke up was a day closer to an upload. I listen to the podcast at work, so I have to try to not laugh out loud a lot of the time. The community attached to This Paranormal Life are some of the most loving, caring, funny, and in the most respectful way possible, weirdest people I have ever met. This Paranormal Life has been an amazing podcast to listen to, especially in this weird, weird years we've been having in this world. This Paranormal Life! Remember, live fast, investigate, investigate, and die young! The best podcast you've ever heard is This Paranormal Life. Word. Paranormal life, digging up ghosts alive. We're proud to be a part of the cult commune. I've been around since day one and a proud member of the commune. Top five commune that I've been in, definitely uh, very breathable uniforms. I love listening to your podcast when I was trying to hike up hills or just to pass the time. I would put it on speaker at night and the voices would help keep bears out of my campsite. So you guys definitely really helped me with that one. I think it's really important to have that, you know, Northern Irish representation in the mainstream. Um, I think it's very important that people hear our accent, you know. That's paranormal life. That's near paranormal, That's paranormal life. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.